Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. Hosted by me, Lauren. And me, Vix, her very queer, delicious, and sexy friend, here to share thoughts and feelings. Um, so who are we? We are two very curious, sensual women from the beautiful country of Australia who have an insatiable desire uh, for sex-centric media, cool feelings, sad feelings, all feelings really, uh, kink, community, people, communication, and just talking mad shit about it, you know? <laughs> so on the Wonderfully Done show, uh, it's all about Vix and I being your sex posse friends that you can ask anything. So we'll talk about your curiosities. We'll talk about your questions. We'll talk about your interests. We'll talk about our own lives, our own experiences. It's just to have that experience that you've got people that you can talk to that can help share ideas, inspiration, and just help you feel that little bit less alone. The number one rule that we've got is that it's very much a shame-free zone as shame well. Free. Shame-free! We hate shame. We are actively dismantling. We've been spending years dismantling shame and this show is us challenging it in ourselves and challenging you to let go of shame in your own life as well. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. The one thing that's important to know is that, you know, we are your sex posse um, beanie buddies, but we are not pros. We're not sex therapists. We're not therapists. We love therapy. We get therapy. If we bring up something that you want to do your own research on or want to speak to someone about, we really recommend that you get that professional help. So now that we've talked about wonderfully done, who we are, how gorgeous we are, what we want you to get out of it, it's time to move on to the gorgeous questions that you send us. Vix, what have we got in the sexy question box? So question one, dear wonderfully done, it takes me a while to become sexually aroused enough to engage in penetrative sex. I know this isn't uncommon, but how do I broach this with new potential sexual partners as penetrative sex without enough foreplay just isn't really possible for me? So as you say, this isn't uncommon. I think it's something that a lot of women talk about, but not a lot of not a lot of men talk about it or not a lot of men can be super aware of it. So we don't know about the genders that are involved for this listener, but I think it's really important to say, you know, claps on the back for this person it's great that you know that about yourself as well that can often be the first hurdle very much so and just sort of knowing like this is just this is just a part of how I engage in sex and how my body responds and I just know about me that I've got to do things you know in a different I'm bunny quoting because everybody does sex different like gosh <laughs> in a different way than is potentially expected by the partner I might be choosing to sleep with yes and there are a lot of listeners out there that are male listeners that have penises that might have their own anxieties around arousal around what their body does around what their body does and doesn't allow and that really is a parallel similar but different to what people are talking about when it comes to engage in penetrative sex. This listener could be talking about a vagina. They could be talking about their butt, you know, recommend the cool anal August episode that we had for talking about butt stuff. Oh, but if yeah. we're talking about vaginal penetration, this is something that I can definitely relate to. Cause for me, it, especially if I'm hooking up with someone new, it can take a lot of 
time and energy for me to feel physically safe, feel emotionally safe, for penetrative sex to feel interesting, to feel possible, for me to feel comfortable in that kind of way. So I'm really there with this listener. And it's very common for me to just say that this kind of penetrative sex is just up on a shelf, like it's just not on the table for the first couple of times that I might fool around with them. And that's important for me to know that I can quote unquote control that. And that this is a person who's still interested in spending time with me in that way, even if I've said this particular type of sex isn't on the table. Because if that disappoints them, for me, I'm like, well, we're not going to be a great match, right? No, yeah. If there's feeling like there's pressure right off the table for things to only be able to look a very certain way, that feels definitely a bit uh, a bit red flaggy to me. I was just interested um, in in the way you just did some phrasing there, just around like for penetrative sex to be interesting to you. And I guess I just wondered what that meant to you. Yeah, for me, a lot of the time, the whole idea of like linear sexual progress that like maybe you'll do A and B and then you move on to C and then it's like then the real sex happens. It's like I don't really like I don't really like that script sort of happening. And a lot of the time penetrative sex is not my favorite kind of sex anyway. It's not what is the most arousing. Sometimes it's not what makes me feel the most connected. Sometimes it can be overwhelming or overstimulating or just not a good way for me to establish a connection with the person. Sometimes other types of sex help me feel more connected. So yeah, sometimes penetrative sex isn't that interesting to me, especially with someone new. That's really beautiful. I haven't really thought about it like that before. I feel like, oh, you know, when just like your head starts rushing with so many thoughts like that just makes me think about you know I'm a very like if I want to have sex with somebody I do and so often you know I'll have sort of you know penetrative sex with somebody often on the first date you know pretty upfront about what you know at least the the realms of desire that I have and yeah and just so often um you know, you never hear from the person again. (laughs) I'm sort of like, am I doing sex bad or wrong? Sort of like, what's happening here? And I guess I hadn't really, yeah, considered the idea that I could take that off the table in such a way that is like, perhaps where I could still retain feeling a bit more powerful in this situation, um, as in not just giving somebody the thing that they desire the most from me, but exploring a little bit more how, how I get what I might like out of this scenario. Um, so, so many of the penetrative sex experiences that I've had have felt so transactional, except I don't get anything out of the transaction. <laughs> <laughs> except like Sounds like a bad transaction. <laughs> disappointment, but um, definitely an ISO especially. I've been thinking a lot about what sex means to me and what sex looks like to me. And even though, of course, on the show and to friends, I'd vehemently say, you know, sex is not just piv, <laughs> you know, like it is not just the script. Sex can be whatever you decide with the person you're sleeping with is sex. Like, but I think sometimes in my head, I still get sucked into sort of the prescriptive what, what sex means as, as a woman. Um, but I, <laughs> I was actually having a conversation today uh, 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 connecting to that again. Sorry, I'm totally tangenting. But um, around the, the way I classified sex 
And, you know, I used to be the sort of person who was like, oh, you know, only like blowjobs don't count. I was uh, predominantly just sleeping with um, cis hit men at this time, you know, so blowjobs don't count, handjobs don't count. And, you know, obviously I couldn't really even say like, you know, pussy eating because that certainly wasn't fucking happening for me for a long time. Fuck y'all. Terrible sex. Um, anyway, (laughs) Um, but I was very concerned with that because there was so much shame around the number of how many people you'd slept with. So almost not calling things sex almost felt like a protective measure for me to be able to say that I had slept with less people than I had so that it didn't mean all of these things that a larger number would mean, um, which I think has definitely... Yeah, like it's taken a long time to work out of that kind of thinking and redefining on my own terms what sex means to me, as well as not giving a flying fuck what anybody thinks about who and how many people I allow to touch my body. <laughs> I hope I end when my life ends, it's in the thousands. If only <laughs> I could be so lucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's absolutely it. And it can often be such a question of, again, it's that question of shame that we talk about so much. Have I not slept with enough people? Have I slept with too many people? Am I a bad lover because I'm not down to want exactly the same sex that my partner's interested in at the same time, at the same rate? Like, it's very difficult, especially, I think, for a lot of women in that we are taught to sexualize or be turned on by what our partner wants. So a lot of the time, the partner would really like penetrative sex. And that's if we're, you know, being reductive here and we're talking about cishet men, like with penises. A lot of the time, they're conditioned to think that the best sex... Yes. Oh, I still find that all the time with people I sleep with. It seems to all be about, well, this is how big I am and and this is how long I can last and, and so much pressure that you know, they have to be hard for the entire interaction or that's going to derail things. And we can't have sex because I can't get a bonus. So everything's off the table and there's no sex. And it's just kind of like, oh, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's like, if I, if I was hooking up with someone and me being down to have penetrative sex is the only way that I am sexually useful or sexually valid in that situation, I wouldn't be sexually valid 75 plus percent of the time. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. Like if the if the script was flipped here. So this person saying, you know, how do I talk about this in a sexy way? I think it's really important that needs and preferences, we all practice talking about them in a hot way to be like, I love this and I love that. And for me, penetrative sex, I, I'm interested in it, but maybe after a couple of times of hooking up, sometimes it can take me a long time. I really feel more comfortable if I'm the person to suggest it, if that, you know, and talking about it in that kind of a way. Like for me, I'm the one that firmly has control over is penetrative sex happening like, you know, if I if I'm the one with the orifice is getting involved, yeah, I'm the I one that controls that. it. Like you know, penetrate <laughs> actually having some power and deciding when and what happens in the interaction. Like, I feel like it becomes the power dynamic of the penetrator to take all of the power. And sometimes like whether they mean to or not, or even understand that that's what they're making the interaction all about. Like, 
it's still, you know, it's a vulnerable position to be in when somebody is penetrating you with something, whether that be a body part or an object. Like I've definitely found being penetrated with certain things, you know, the way I kind of respond after that can be like, you know, really being like a shaky mess, need like a cuddle and a sippy sip of water and (laughs) (laughs) I know what's going to happen with your Mm. body and how you respond to different things. Myself as well. Like I had some real hangups for a long time because I found that if I had penetrative sex, even if I really enjoyed it, I actually would feel teary after. Like I would actually feel like wet eyed in a way that would freak me out and freak my partners out because I'm like, I'm yes. not upset right now, but it's just. Yeah, this is just how I'm responding. I, I've like cried while fucking before. Like, um, yeah, actually, it actually ended up being very hot. I think it was because I was like, just like feeling it so much and like feeling so in love in that moment that it was just, you know, just coming out of me. And then it actually ended up like, should this be weird? I'm bunny earsing right now. Um, but then we just decided to let it be what it was. And it actually ended up being like very hot, you know? So you never know like how these things are going to feel. You really never know. And so that communication around needs and preferences and my comfort levels, and this is where I'm at and finding a way to talk about it. That's like, here are these cool things that you get to do with me, or here are some awesome things that I'm great at and that I love instead of like a, sorry, I'm weird kind of way. Cause I, I was definitely really apologetic for a long time to be like, I will be interested in doing all these things to you, but I really, uh, I'm really sorry. I'm just like not okay with blah, blah, blah. And I was really apologetic and cringy about it for a long time. And now I'm coming in with top energy being like, I'm going to do these things to you and nothing below the belt on me. You're not allowed to do any of this kind of stuff. And like, you're such a queen. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how I'll come into it now and like control quote unquote things a lot more. And I need to work with people that find that to be attractive or that's okay for them or that's fun and so just being who you are and practicing talking about what you like it's it's a really good idea to practice saying I'm not into x but I would love y kind of thing that's just a really good skill compounded sort of statement you know yes Um, yeah and I think that makes it a lot more approachable and I think easier to digest as a receiver especially if you're talking to somebody who has you know their their existing point of where they're thinking from is that that is what the big show is you know and like oh you don't want to do the big show with me you know (laughs) definitely I I like to think a lot about sensual versus sexual skills because there's a lot of conversation around foreplay and what is foreplay Vix and I have both talked about like we kind of hate the term because often Mm, what we like best Yeah, what we like best can be the foreplay kind of stuff. And it's not like this is sex light version and then penetrative sex is like the best sex version. Totally. But if a partner can't come to me with sensual skills of like interested in pleasuring me in all these ways that might have nothing to do with their body parts, that's just not super helpful for me. And if things start sexually immediately, like I'm talking like really direct genital contact and stuff, not sensually slowly and stuff like that I can have like a panic response like that could be very very bad for me so I really need the the sensual lead-in for things you know yeah where it is 
testing the waters and seeing what feels good and you know communicating like it doesn't it doesn't always have to be verbal like obviously for the specific question we're talking about you know that's very verbal but I mean in a general sexual interaction like if you aren't already look at your partner's body language do they look like they're having fun are they smiling are they making affirmative noises are you not sure what that noise what that noise means ask slow down stop what you're doing I think there's a little bit too much excusing going on in general um and sorry but usually cishet men where it's just like oh well um men just don't understand subtle things so you have to say it specifically or it's your fault is basically the the subtext but we all have the skills to be able to well you know, of course, there's there's different variances, but many of us have the skills to be able to look at behaviors. And if you don't have as good skills there, check in and ask. Like you're sharing an experience in this moment. And if you're sleeping with the right kind of person, you should both be very interested in how much the other person is enjoying themselves or whether their desires are being fulfilled. I feel like that was a tangent also, but clearly I'm I'm like super tangenty today. <laughs> I mean, this is related to so many things. It's it's around communication, it's around preferences, it's around the way that the mind could be interested in sex, but the body doesn't get there at the same time. Oh, that you doesn't know? get talked about enough. <laughs> the different ways we experience arousal, both in our bodies and mind, and getting those to actually come together, and sleeping with people who operate in a similar way. <laughs> yes, yes. People get there at different times. Bodies get there at different times. I do think that for this listener, I really want them to practice talking commute like positively about the way that their body tends to work and what they're really into. I do think it's a good idea to bring up before you're making out, pants are off, you know, like in terms of the the momentum of the conversation, talking a bit about it beforehand, but in a really yes, positive kind of way. Definitely beforehand. Because you know, there may already be expectations sitting there of what just sex will look like. So prefacing and making sure for yourself as well, you know, like you want to set up for like a pleasing experience like it's not just about like oh letting them know so they won't be disappointed it's like how do you have the kind of sex that you want to have that's going to make you feel good like it makes me think sort of like sorry I cut you off Lauren but I'm totally gonna keep talking no no do it do it do it do it I was just gonna say you know like a nice way to go about this is like you know for you know the first time hooking up you know this wouldn't be on the table however I would love to know about things you might like to do to me and sort of throwing the ball back a little bit I've sort of been trialing that over the last sort of like year being a little bit less like I feel like there's sometimes a lot of pressure. Well, if you don't want to do this, what do you want then? Or it's more like, no, 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 sweet bab bab. You need to present me with uh, three creative ideas and then I shall select from them and we will go from there. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because if your date doesn't have three different ideas about how sex could go with them, that is boring. And I mean, that's what I would say, like, if you're someone who's listening that usually provides, quote unquote, penetrative sex to a partner, Mm. 
What are your other skills? Like yeah, you might feel really, yeah, penetrative sex might be your comfort zone. What other skills would you like to develop? Do you think that the best sex of your life has to be penetrative? How can you challenge that a little bit? How can you change up the way you're approaching it? And even I would recommend talking to partners or potential partners more about what you can do outside of what's related to your dick, for example. I think you'll actually find your partners will be impressed by the question and by the conversation. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm enjoying asking people, like, yeah, a bit more of a take a step back and, like, just a very simple, how do you like to be touched? Uh, What sort of um, special zones uh, make you feel really turned on uh, what parts of people's bodies do you find attractive and if they give a lazy tits or ass man you know then challenge a bit deeper you know I was talking to somebody on the apps recently and they they ended up telling me that they were very attracted to a nice chin and I thought that was delightful you know and so what a lovely insight into you know a part of the body that they pay attention to and a nice little hinty tipperoonie for uh maybe places to touch like ascertaining more information sort of about each other I think also helps the creative call I mean, if if <laughs> they're a creative person. <laughs> <laughs> and don't we all want to be those creative people? But yeah, just to summarize, I would say like we are here completely supportive of this listener. We are supportive of the listeners, potential partners out there that might need a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of guidance, ideas for a sexy sex that doesn't involve penetrative sex or really pushes it way down the line, for example. Um, Do not ever allow yourself to be pressured by someone to say, well, I need a certain type of sex that is never on. And talking about practicing yeah, and talk about practicing needs and preferences in a fun and sexy way instead of a sorry I'm broken in this kind of way. And, you know, even if you're someone who enjoys a more passive or more submissive role, you can still have your requests. You can still have your requirements. You know, you don't need to be coming in here with big, big dom energy just to feel safe, for example. So we completely support you and we hope that you have Lots of gorgeous, lovely sex, dear listener, exactly the way that you would like it, that doesn't make you feel pressured, and that you can have penetrative sex if, how, and when you might like to. Yeah, your body is fine, just as it is, and it is not a negative, and there's just so much beautiful exploration to do for, yeah, what is what are the main events of sex look like for you? Like, that's could be a really nice thing to... To have a write down for yourself. I quite like doing homework like that sometimes where, you know, really having having a think and making little listicles of like, here are all of the places that make me squirm if somebody puts their tongue there. This is how, these are all the places I like to be kissed especially. These, um, here are three very sexy scenarios that I've experienced before and then having a think about is there a commonality uh, between these so some of it is definitely outside of these engagements with other people and just really getting closer to figuring out what 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 you want and how to communicate that confidently because I think when we spend some really good time with ourselves figuring out what we want and what it might look like at least for me that's helped really give me a lot more confidence in asking for what I would like because I trust 
myself that I, I that I know what I want and I hope that you can find that too that is beautiful well Vix what is the other juicy sexy lovely question that we have got from our dear dear listeners right <clears throat> I'm ready to begin uh <laughs> dear wonderfully done I found out about one of my partner's kinks and it makes me really uncomfortable I'm not sure if I have to be more specific, but what can I do? Well, dear listener, this is a pretty common scenario and it's a bit of a hard one to discuss because talking about it with friends means disclosing sensitive personal information about a partner a lot of the time. So often we have to do private Googling and what do I do and what on earth did they just say that they were into kinds of conversations. So I understand that it's really hard to know what to do in this scenario because it doesn't come up that much, even with friends that are as close as Vix and I, you know, because it's involving a third party in their kinks. So it's difficult, but it's definitely communication time. One of the main things I would say is that it's probably taken the partner a lot of guts and confidence and it's a vote of trust in you as a person that they disclosed the kink. And, you know, if you've had an uncomfortable reaction to it, they probably know that their kink might be a little bit uncomfortable for people. Uh, It might be something that's really quite transgressive. It might be something just a little transgressive, but there's still probably some room or some expectation that your partner had that it might make you uncomfortable. It doesn't mean you're a bad partner that you didn't immediately love that kink, right? That's fine. Like, it's fine to, like, sometimes we react how we react in the moment and sometimes it's okay to say, hey, could I have a little bit of time to sit with this and can we, you know, revisit it tomorrow? Can we revisit it in a week? Like... It's totally okay to to sort of share a boundary there and sort of go away and have a think about it. Like it definitely when when things are unexpected or it feels like, oh my God, did I even know you was a person? This has been nestled down inside of you. I just want everybody to remember out there that as well as you know anyone, everybody has a big old basement full of shit they don't fucking talk to anyone about. No matter how open and honest you think people are, to be able to summarize your entire life, every desire you've ever had and the things that are fledging and still taking form, it's just impossible. Like it's it's a lot to ask and, and I don't think... I know that that can be an uncomfortable thing, but, you know, some of that I think is ego as well, you know? So really sort of like taking a step back and as Lauren said, like appreciating that it has probably taken taken some guts for them to, to be to be that kind of honest with you where, you know, when you share things like that, I think there's definitely a core of that of, you know, wanting to deepen the trust and intimacy of your relationship, which you know, I feel like is one of the foundations of moving forward together with somebody in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not coming down from on high as some perfect sex posy pal that's never made a misstep because I've definitely had friends that have disclosed something that I've had a laugh reaction to or a negative reaction to. And I've come back and I've said, hey, I just had a knee jerk nervous laugh reaction and I'm sorry. 
Uh, and I do want to talk to you about this. I do want, I'm curious to hear about this from you. And yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of, uh, went a bit weird there for a second. You know, I've made, I've made those kinds of missteps. Those are very normal human missteps. And if you feel a little bit sorry or a bit uncomfortable at how you might have reacted to your partner, you can still come back and say, this is actually, it's uncomfortable for me, or this is new for me. I'm sorry that I laughed, or I'm sorry about the way that I reacted. Reiterating that you still really care about them. You want to understand this. You're not hating them completely because of what they've disclosed. Obviously, this is a little bit different if they've disclosed something that is definitely illegal, definitely extremely harmful to other people. That's a very different kind of scenario or a kink that they've, they want to indulge that you just can't consensually legally do. That is different. And we're not talking about that exactly, but let's take an example of vomiting. Vomiting is a kink. (laughs) That's something that I've had a friend talk, just mentioned that they're into that. And I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> like, and I and I laugh about it now because I'm still very uncomfortable at the way that I reacted at the time. But when that came up as a friend, it's not someone who was offering to engage with that with me. It was just something that they were sharing. And then they were like, this is why I like it. And then I looked up an episode on why are people into that, which I think is a really good episode where people talk about, you know, clowns, why people into clowns. And then they get professional sexy clowns or people that have that fetish to come on and talk about it. That was very helpful for me because it was a way of decoupling it from the most high impact example of that fetish, which is when I Googled it, it just came up as pornography. And I was like, whoa, I did not want to see that. But instead, hearing people talking about it was less confronting. Well, yeah, it kind of makes it it all unreal, right? And and all of these assumptions that we have <laughs> and things tied into different concepts. Like, I think, yeah, Dick, I think it, it actually is a, a lovely thing to do is like, is your is your reaction based on your assumption of what that kink means like can you seek a deeper understanding of what it actually means to your partner you know I feel like there's definitely a lovely opportunity there to you know delve a little bit deeper through conversation into why does it appeal to them what do they get out of it like why is it something that they want to have as a part of their life and coming from a really genuinely curious place of a desire to understand and that's a beautiful place to come from in a partnership or in a relationship or in hookups is just genuine curiosity and giving someone space to be themselves saying that they're allowed you know they can have their own private sexual lives and their own private sexual identity which I think is great that's not talked about enough. Sorry, I, I know that is like just because you're with somebody or some people like, yeah, it doesn't mean that they get to deign control over the way that, that you experience your sexuality like that. That is your personal thing and you don't actually owe sharing all of that with anybody if you don't want to. Sorry, I just felt like I had to <laughs> release it's that important. from my body. <laughs> it's really, it's really important. A lot of the time, if people are in relationships, they can feel like they have to disclose everything. I would say you don't have to, or it's okay if you did not feel comfortable enough, or if you weren't, you hadn't processed enough of your own shame to bring it up later in life. 
Uh, and sometimes the partner makes that about them to say, why, why aren't I good enough for you to have told me that you were into dressing up in fursuits or whatever the case may be. But it's like, sometimes you just have to get there on your own or feel safe enough or feel comfortable and accepting enough in your own thing. So sometimes kinks and fetishes come up way into long-term marriages, you know, or that's what drives affairs, for example, sometimes, because someone's like, I have assumed my wife would never be okay with me being into putting a balloon in her vagina and inflating it or whatever. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like leading to people suppressing parts of themselves um and sometimes you know like it might not have been such a big deal five years ago because the desire to fulfill the kink might not have been so strong but perhaps you know in the future it, it feels like it's something that you need to truly be your authentic self and to live yeah, as, you, as, you, as your truest, highest version of yourself or even to have the room to explore that and see how it feels because that's the thing as well. Like, I don't know a lot about this p- specific scenario, but is this the sort of kink where they've had extensive experience? They've just had a one-off experience. It's something that they've actually only fantasized about for a long time. So they might not even know yet how how it would actually feel to do some of those activities or be in those kind of spaces yet. And even that in itself, like the journey of getting what you want out of a particular kink, like what a kink means, even if two people share the same kink, what it means to both of them and how they experience it, like the the gray space between that, you know, can be really broad. And something that's really interesting about kinks is that It is so central on how does this partner relate to that kink? You know, as Vix is saying, like, have they been curious or does this feel like it's a central part of their identity? Sometimes someone's kink becomes a really huge part of how they personally feel or a huge important part of the sexual practices they want to have. Or it's like, I've just got this curiosity about something. And that curiosity could be something that's very comfortably kept to their pornography habits, to their fantasy habits, if you're not into it. Or it could be something that feels really important to them and it could be time to talk about, well, could they indulge in this with a professional? You know, as is there boundaries around that that we could explore? Uh, you know, what, what are their needs around that kind of a kink? I think something that's very important is your partner still respecting your boundaries and you still communicating respectfully with your partner. If they've got a kink you're uncomfortable with, it's important that your partner doesn't try to keep bringing it up. You know, if you've said, I'm not interested in this, it's not on the table for me, and your partner tries to bring it up in the middle of sex or saying, like, just try it, maybe you'll like it, that's manipulative. You know, kinks really require consent to be involved, and it's a real uh, it's a real red flag if they keep repeatedly bringing it up. On the flip side, if you're shaming them for having the kink, if you, you know, if you treat them that it's disgusting for the kink, unless that's part of the kink itself, uh, that's also not cool and not on. Uh, and to just acknowledge that there will be things about them that you might not line up on is actually a really mature, really adult, yeah. awesome thing to accept in it's a relationship. So normal. Like, I feel like this myth still is so pervasive in society that it's like you meet the person and this person happens to share your every desire. Like, 
this really, like, this is not something to strive for. I don't really believe for many of us that this person exists. Like, I feel like it really sets people up for so much, like, failure, uh, feelings of disappointment, um, not being able to, to be themselves. It's just, it's pretend. Like, I, I do not believe and there is one person for everyone I think there are many sometimes you you happen to meet one first and make a fucking good go of it but like look at divorce rates people like who knows what could happen in the future like like this there's always time to put the saddle on a different horse like um. (laughs) maybe literally (laughs) (laughs) oh I, I feel like pony play is definitely one of the first kinks I was like absolutely fascinated with um, I remember watching this documentary on it and I still remember these like, like pro- obviously remembered the powerful women because I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, and I think that's actually one of the only pieces of like, oh, I, like, I have a few pieces of kinkwear, but like somebody actually uh, gave me like a sexy bridle one time with like some cute little horse ears on it. So I, I don't know where, when I will bring that out in the future, but I'm like, do I want to see how this feels? Or I'm like, do I want somebody else to be the pony? I think probably someone else to be the pony, but I'm like, oh, anyway, so much cuteness. Like who knows? I think I think also something worth... um bringing up is just sort of like taking this as an opportunity to challenge the discomfort and sort of like really delving into you don't have to do this with your partner you know this can be you know a personal you know private uh investigation but like why does it make you feel uncomfortable and do those things align with who you are who you want to be I mean of course there's definitely there's always things I think in life where it's just like this is just a no for me like maybe it makes you feel physically ill and it's just or there is just you could never imagine it being sexual or sensual but I mean that's another thing about kink right is like they aren't specifically sexual or sensual um and maybe there isn't room in your heart to have a go but maybe there is like is there like breaking down the kink to like it's like the teeniest different subparts of it like is there any part of it that you feel like you could be comfortable trying it's definitely okay if the answer is still a no but it could be an interesting thing to look into together definitely and I'd say that a fun little bit of homework for wonderfully done listeners might be looking up um, like a kink menu or like a BDSM checklist, because even if you don't identify as a quote-unquote kinky person, you can have really interesting conversations with yourself and with partners going through those, because they're structured with huge lists, so many kinks, so many fetishes, where you can say, you know, it's a big enthusiastic yes, it's a massive no, it's a neutral, it's a curious, you know, and you might find with a partner that they really love something that you're neutral about, and so maybe you don't mind indulging or trying a little baby version of it or it can be very clear that it's a no because sometimes I think for me I might communicate something I'm interested in and it really helps to have something like a menu where my partner in the privacy of their own home without me pressuring them or feeling like they owe it to me or you know they're responding to an ask instead they can disclose to themselves what they find interesting 
Yeah, and then compare notes, you know. I've actually, just before you, I've actually filled out one of these a couple of times. Um, I'll find the name for, for anyone who's interested. Let us know if you are interested. But yeah, the, the framing of it wasn't specifically kinks, but it was just like, here is a whole bunch of like, could be central sexual acts. It's just like a really huge list. And like Lauren said, yeah, it, it like had a rating of one to five. I'd also had a, have you done this or have you not kind of list, as well as being able to leave a note. So it was really interesting to be able to like share that with a partner and having something be like oh like I didn't know that you were you're a four on this and you've never done it and and I haven't done it either and I think it's really interesting or you know seeing like something was interesting enough that they're also like hot 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 makes me wet hard ooh, Caesar you know and you're like oh like that's yeah it's kind of like keeping it like fun and interesting right because like through the way that we connect sexually and sexually with each other just there's there's always there's so much to learn about how how people react and what makes them happy or sad or you know there's there's a range of things you could want (laughs) out of um a sexy kinky sensual uh arrangement (laughs) (laughs) and one last thing that I would say when it comes to kink and fetishes is that if your partner hasn't experienced it or primarily indulges in it through pornography, when you're looking at pornography, you are not emotionally, physically, interpersonally experiencing that kink. So sometimes what you will look at in terms of pornography is actually way more intense, way more explicit, way more high impact than what this person actually would be interested in trying. So, you know, a lot of the time it can be helpful to keep that in mind because, you know, someone might look at really high impact pornography for a certain kink that freaks you out, seems really intense, but what they'd be interested in doing with you might be the smallest little amount of it because they're actually experiencing that emotionally, interpersonally and sexually. And that goes a lot further than uh, passively absorbing a little bit of it through pornography. And that's something that can be (laughs) different. Very different. It makes me think of, you know, I decided over the last year or so that I like, I was maybe interested in kitten play, which falls under pet play. Now, if you type things like that into google and get the 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 first resort you know you you might see people pooping in litter trays and you know no kink shaming from me like if that's your your jimmy jam enjoy my sweet babbins but like for me it's really like on the the more gentle end of the scale where it's just like I just really like to wear some very cute fluffy ears and a cute little collar and basically essentially just be having a lot of very focused attention where somebody is giving me heaps and heaps of positive affirmations while patting and stroking me a lot like that may or may not lead to sex it may not need to be sexual but like it's you know telling somebody about that and having them they freaked out and thought I wanted to shit in a litter tray and I'm like you why haven't you asked me what I think is interesting about it you know so yeah it can <laughs> can be really tricky you know I just want to be a, a, like a good little little kitty sometimes you know <laughs> is that too much to ask <laughs> <laughs> and to summarize you know that is it it's communication is key about this understand what does your partner mean what do they like about it be compassionate with yourself that you are uncomfortable and that might actually be a true boundary or it might just be not understanding enough about it and so you do not owe anyone an indulgence of any kink but 
if you do find yourself interested in part of it, that could be a great way of opening things up. And so researching, acknowledging that neither of you in the conversation are, are the good guy or the bad guy, and that your partner has trusted you enough to share something very personal. That's There's not an obligation here, but it's been a nice little share. And that's something that you can be really proud of. And that the world is huge and vast and deep when it comes to kink and fetishes. You don't have to indulge every fetish that your partner has, but questioning why you might have some discomfort could be a great learning exercise. And it opens up the conversation for you to talk about things that you're into as well. Yeah, is there something you've never told somebody about before and you think you trust your partner enough to to sort of open up about it or even open up about part of it? Like, I feel like it's sometimes hard to predict how people are going to respond to different things, but I think it's really worth um, being brave and being a little bit vulnerable and you might actually find some new special little things to do with your person, people that um, bring even more joy and pleasure to your relationship. So uh, thank you so much for that one. That one was, yeah, super interesting man you know when you're just sitting here and you're like this has been a really good episode (laughs) (laughs) we have beautiful smart listeners that ask us very good very different very vulnerable questions and you know and we love it i appreciate the trust immensely uh very very appreciate you uh yeah (laughs) i i I guess that's probably the end of that one so uh since we're uh moving to the latter end of the show uh it's time to do a little bit of a learny lane we still don't have a show tune for that will we ever i don't know (laughs) and so this is basically a space that we've created where we want to share things that we've been learning about um obviously this has been a little bit harder lately like anybody that's living in Victoria, Melbourne, where we're living right now, like life is quite hard right now. We're in the strictest lockdown in the world and um, moods be flippity, jibbity, blubberly everywhere, but we're trying our best. So uh, I'm going to take one this week since Lauren's been doing all of the learning lately. (laughs) um, I haven't been able to fit anything new into my brain. So I'm very excited (laughs) to hear about what Vix has been learning. You do so much, baby. You're you're doing great. Um, Well, I have started a new book. I bought the sample and have uh, decided to buy the full full book uh, this week. It is called The Heart of Dominance, A Guide to Practicing Consensual Dominance by Anton Fullman. Now, I've been interested in dominance for a little while I think it's more it's more so come to the surface over the last year or two um I've always been a sort of person that likes control but I didn't really understand that's what it was until a little bit later (laughs) so uh, something that I'm finding very common is uh, people who seem attracted to me are looking for a real strong ass bitch, you know? But that's the thing with, uh, you know, DS dynamics is and much like the kink question, there are a lot of myths about how this should look and how you should behave and what a scene or an interaction should be. Um, I'm only a couple of chapters into this book, but I really feel like it's already just kind of like blowing my little baby dominant mind. Um, I really do like that at the beginning of the book, he acknowledges the fact that he's, you know, a cishet uh, 
man, um, a white man who has lots of power and that there are, you know, lots of different factors about society, where we sit in society, how it's shaped and who we are as people that, you know, change the, the, the inherent power dynamics. So I thought that was really nice. And diff- there was discussion about sort of the myths of who and how you have to be and the gatekeeping around that. Like a, a problem that I have uh, is people who are like, you know, I want to be your submissive, but like really to that, they just want me to do all the work or sit on their face. And that's not really that hot for me. I mean, it might be like parts of that might be hot, um, but, you know, we kind of need a little bit more discussion around that. Um, so something that I thought was really beautiful was acknowledging you actually can't make anyone do anything. Sometimes the choices might be grosser than others, like, you know, uh, oh gosh, that's an extreme example, but you know, you're uh gonna hit somebody and it's either you do this or I'm gonna hit you (laughs) you know and so like but the person will still make a choice it's just like both choices are kind of shit you know um or you know it could could be a nicer set of choices but it was just kind of talking about how like true like consensual dominance is all about actually enabling and inspiring submission from your submissive because that's the sort of thing in a lot of you know in DS scenarios what's happening is what you both want to be happening um I that wasn't said as artfully as I could have but that's fine um there was also another thing that really stuck out to me was the way that he described consent um, and how often, because of course in in kink and, and dynamics like DS, you know, you kind of need to be checking in quite frequently. Um, that's part of the dealio. You're investing a lot of trust in somebody. And I think sometimes it can get written off as kind of like an inconvenient box that you've got to check. But the way that he phrased it was talking about putting a different lens on that and actually treating it as each time you are confirming consent, you are taking an opportunity to create more trust in your dynamic. And I just thought that that was really beautiful to sort of always be building together. Um, And I think he even specifically mentioned, uh, even if there's things that you used to have to get consent for and you've kind of fallen into a pattern of not requesting consent anymore, to just do a check-in and just sort of say, hey, like we used to check in and get consent for this and we don't anymore and that feels really good for me. How does it feel for you? And really, yeah, giving giving the opportunity to see where people are at. Uh, So I'm only a couple of chapters in, so I'm sure as I read more things, I'll have more to share. I really did like also that he was very specific, like if this is the first book you've read about dominance, please read several others and get a nice full rounded view of what this means to people. But uh, so far I'm like, this is really, um, it's really speaking to me and it's making dominance feel a lot less scary Uh, I've already learned about myself that if I'm going to have those kind of dynamics with people that I absolutely require people who are very creative and want to contribute and he talks a lot about that how 
that's what it needs to be because you're creating something together and to create something good everybody needs to have input of some kind even if it you know to the outside looks to somebody like the other person has no power at all you have no idea what their desires are and what negotiations they've had um Anyway, I just, I'm really enjoying it. It's um, very, very easy to read and I already feel like um, it's giving me more confidence. So what a fun read. <laughs> that sounds gorgeous. I mean, a lot of my reading that I did around kink and dominance and things like that would have been like 10 years ago, like when I was 20 or late teenager and things like that. So there was a book called uh, Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, which was written by a submissive woman that I read back in the day. I've read a whole bunch of dominance books, but like 10 years ago. So I would love to check this book out because I think anything that breaks down the idea of there's a perfect way to be a dominant or to be a top and this is the one way to do it and being a dominant means you know everything and you're perfectly confident and you know exactly what you're doing at all times and all this kind of stuff instead of talking about that that shared connection that shared trust that you're working on um, instead of just outwardly looking like the theatrics are perfect uh, I think that that sounds really good and a great read and if you are interested in dominance it sounds like a great thing to read but also if you feel like you might lean more on the submissive scale but you want to learn how to communicate why dominance is hot to you to a partner or suggest some things to a partner, I always recommend uh, learning about the quote-unquote flip side um, of, a, of a sexual power dynamic. So that sounds awesome. Yeah, well, I was very excited to share it with you and everyone listening. <laughs> so, Vix, after that gorgeous learning lane, I would love to share a little bit of a weekly wonderful. So this is the bit where we just share general stuff that's been awesome and exciting for us, something we've loved this week. Uh, and something we might recommend that people check out as well. Uh, do you have a weekly wonderful that you'd like to share with the class? <laughs> well, one of my weekly wonderfuls was, uh, so I don't know how many of you know about the beauty that is uh, stainless steel toys. Uh, just steel. Anyway, um, the beauty of them is that you can just sterilize them by boiling them. So a lovely friend knows that I was interested in a particular enjoy toy which run for about kind of oh you're looking at almost $300 in Australia so you know I don't know yet if this toy is for me and sometimes it's really scary to drop a whole stack of fat cash <laughs> when you're when you don't know yet so they have actually brought me round theirs so I can have a play with it uh so I'm extremely excited um of course since we're social distancing it was a very brief conversation on the porch um where I was talking about dildos popping out and such like so it was really <laughs> you know uh, we had to switch to a bit whispery because I made them I assume they were blushing a little bit. They were doing blush body language, but of course I couldn't see past the mask. <laughs> I love that though. What a gorgeous little moment of friendship where you can say, this is a fully sterilized hygienic toy and I am down with you giving it a go because it's a $300 toy that you don't want to just buy if you don't know you might like it. If that's not love, I don't know what is, to be quite frank with you. Um, and I guess like this is like a... Uh, I guess a, a personal personal one but uh, I just celebrated um, my first year at the current studio that I work at and um, I just really love it there and I'm really happy to be there and I'm so excited uh, for what's to come so I had like 
uh, a lovely, since we couldn't go anywhere, um, me and my flatmate uh, put on a little bit of makeup and um, had some margaritas and ordered a really uh, big, beautiful lot of uh, sushi and a whole bunch of sides and just sat and enjoyed uh, Star Trek together and she gave me a backstroke and it was just really nice to mark that occasion and I think I'm just always, always reminded how very important it is to celebrate uh, the moments in your life where you've done something that's really great for yourself and take a moment to really enjoy and savor that and share that with some people that you love. That's just squishy and gorgeous. And it can be really hard in these bizarre times to remember to celebrate and to mark things, you know, and to give things to yourself or design something for yourself and making it exactly as close to what is a gorgeous, yummy idea for you. You know, that's just fantastic. I really, really love that. In terms of, you know, self-care and sort of self-love and things, like My Weekly Wonderful is really similar. I've, through isolation, it's been really hard because I haven't had access to things that bring me back into thinking about loving my appearance, like getting my nails done, like getting my eyelashes done, my skincare, all this kind of stuff that those are really... Those are gestures that I make to myself, not not just gestures of you're a hot person, but it makes me feel hot, but just gestures of like, you deserve to lavish yourself with things like you, you want to look a certain way, you go for it. You know, they're really good reminders. And so not having access to those, it can get a little bit hard. So I've tried to, you know, over the past week, I've made an effort to paint my nails, which mm. helps me not bite my nails, which is a really big them. problem for me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I got like a goldy orangey look on right now. Sorry, then Lauren um, talks about her insecurity and I'm just like, compliment time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then, you know, I got one of my partners to like, you know, shave my head again. And like, they've been getting really good at like lockdown haircuts and having my hair be really fresh and short again does make me feel more like myself. And then when I'm like, oh, I've made this change and I want to share this change in my appearance, that makes me think about doing makeup, which I don't always do. And doing makeup makes me think about, well, how do I want to express myself today? Just in the smallest way, like in terms of eye eye shadow or whatever, but it just feels good. And, uh, and I've been having conversations with myself about taking selfies and taking outfit photos and being like, I want to share them. What do I want when I share them? What makes me feel good when I share them? Do the people around me make me feel good about sharing those things? Because I was quite misogynistic for quite a long time when when I was super young, girls that posted photos of themselves, I was like, well, they just want attention. Bitch, it's fine to want attention. <laughs> like Now I understand that, you know, and I've done so much more growth about it because, you know, I really was just jealous that they had people that said nice things about them. And I was like, no, actually, I can ask for those things or I can invite those things and I can train my community and train my friends on how I like to be complimented and, you know, and practice good, awesome, affirming compliments with my friends and with my community too. So that's been really nice. And thank you so much to all the friends that say nice things about my appearance and make me feel good and don't make me feel judged. And, you know, I just really appreciate it. And getting back to feeling like I enjoy my appearance has been definitely been my weekly wonderful. 
I'm so glad to hear that, Lauren. That's really lovely and also very like selfishly excited to get to see more beautiful photos of you on the regular so I can uh, gush over your loveliness. (laughs) (laughs) Coming from the queen herself, honestly. I mean, Vix, you you do gorgeous public services. I love that I get to enjoy your face and enjoy your appearance so much, even when we're socially distanced. I love it. Please never stop. Don't worry. We will be close together soon, my love. (laughs) Wow, that's been... I cannot tell you how much I've actually enjoyed recording this episode. Um, I'm feeling really good. I feel like those conversations felt really good. And I sincerely hope that there was something in there for you. And so, you know, we get these great episodes by getting really great questions from you. So if you would like to share a topic with us or there is a question that you have, there are a couple of ways that you could share those with us. Uh, You can actually just tweet directly at us if you like, or slide us a little DM. We're at Done Wonderfully on Twitter. Or if you're a little bit more not wanting to shout from the rooftops and sort of like identify your questions, we are totally, that is so fine. Always what makes you comfortable. You can send us an anonymous question on our curiouscat.qa slash wonderfully done. We also find some people are uh, using that to send us feedback or a raft of different things. Uh, so if you've had a thought, uh, please, please don't be shy. Uh, I would say it's one of the highlights of this project, getting to hear about people's lives, hearing about how the content's made them feel or if it's made them think about something in a new way or challenge a way that they've been thinking, it really is, you know, <laughs> I would say at the at the deepest center of why this project feels so important to both of us. Uh, not only in, we do want to share, share the love and share conversations that we would l- love to hear more of, um, as well as we, I feel like we really have been challenging ourselves so far uh, as and helping, it's been helping us grow as people. And yeah, it's just having a lovely time. Uh, so where can Wonderfully Done be listened to? Wherever you're listening to it right now is probably great. But if a friend is wanting to listen, because you should definitely share this with your friends, uh, especially, you know, if a specific episode has talked around an issue or an idea that you might like to open a conversation dialogue around them with, it could be a really nice primer to get them thinking about it. Uh, Love you. Thank you so much for listening. Share it with a friend, share it with a crush. And if you want to make our day, finding a way to leave a review. Stitcher makes it easy. You can look up on um, Apple Podcasts as well. Reviews take a little bit of time, take a little bit of elbow grease. But doing that really helps more people come to us and find us. And that means more sexy, spicy, cool questions, really. So, you know, get out there. Everybody Give, wins. <laughs> mm, mm, make a podcast to smile and uh, leave a review today. <laughs> With words, please, a, a written one, uh, ideally. Uh, and yes, a pod chaser is another place you can leave one. Uh, but uh, I'm going to take Lauren's line and say, hey, You're doing wonderfully. Was that good?